Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Quee here. We are going through every single Metallica song. I'm sure you're familiar with that by now. We're on episode 83, so I think we have actually broken the back of this thing. I think there's going to be about 160-odd episodes. So we are about halfway through. Today, we are doing Lords of Summer. As always, as well as I say, please follow the show at MetallicaPod on Twitter. You can get in touch with me there. Often, I shout out to the fans as well. You know, give you a quick little feedback, your hot takes, which we'll get to uh, towards the end of this analysis. Um, you can also support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash AlphaMetallica. If you want to support, you don't want to donate, though, iTunes. Please leave us an iTunes review. There is no way I'm ever going to exceed Metal Like Your Podcast's complete domination of the Metallica <laughs> podcast charts. But still, you know, if you want to give us a review or two, we can we can hold steadfast on that second spot. Um, get in touch with me as well, MetallicaPod at gmail.com if you want to chat, if you want to, you know, have a go at me, if you want to come on the show, if you want to book a song. We've got quite a few songs available around the P's and the R's. And, you know, just hit me up and I'll let you know what's available. And we'll book something in as I did with today's guest. And let's get to the guest all the way from New Jersey. Matt, how's it going? How are you? Thank you for uh, Thank you for having me. It's okay, man. I mean, you know, normally I, you know, get these guests and it's their first time on the podcast, maybe their first time doing a podcast altogether. But um, you, you've been on Clint and Ethan's before, right? Yes. Yeah, I was actually uh, on their uh, their Tales from the Road, from the Road. series. It's kind of a sub-series that they have. I, I reviewed the Pittsburgh show of, uh, of last month. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. I have to go yeah. back and listen to that. I mean, they just do so many of those yes yourself then matt i mean from what i gather you're quite a huge fan you've seen them 15 times right uh well actually i'm one of the the fortunate few that got a black ticket Mm. for this leg of the tour and uh pittsburgh was actually my 19th and then i went to philadelphia philadelphia and philadelphia was 20 so i'm actually at a a nice round number right now of 20 (laughs) and uh where did it begin with the band um well, the, the, I originally got into the band in the mid-90s when Load came out. Um, I was 11 when I got into the band. and um, you know, Basically, Load came out, King Nothing. I saw the King Nothing video on MTV, and then I was hooked. And then uh, I had to wait to get my driver's license until I was 17, and that's when, that was in 2002. So the next tour was the Summer Sanitarium Tour. That yep. was the first time I saw them live, and off to the races. How were you getting into the band then? Because it was a slightly different era, not that long ago, but kind of... I know internet was obviously around in the mid-90s and stuff like that, but it's not like today. Like, you know, even myself, I'm 26, so, um, mm-hmm. you know, not young or anything like that, but it's like I have friends, you know, brothers, who got, in, got into the Beatles, for example, like last month, and they can watch mm-hmm. everything on YouTube. It's all on Spotify. There's no barrier. Like, how how are you getting into the band in those early years? Well, honestly, it was... It was the uh, honestly, it was the glory days to me. Mm. Um, you know, you saw a video on MTV, so I saw King Nothing. We had a local independent record store in the area that I ride my bike to. Um, you know, there were magazines like uh, obviously Rolling Stone, um, Hit Parader, Circus, um, and you really you just dove into you just really dove into all the, the publications. You know, you bought albums, you read liner notes, you read who the bands thanked, you learned of other bands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously there was no Wikipedia, so, but my brother, ha- you know, my brother had tons of CDs and different music growing up. He was five years older than me, so when I got into Metallica, you know, he basically, he had Kill em All, he had Ride the Lightning, he had Justice, so I would listen to his stuff, and then, 
Um, you know, there were a couple things that fell through the cracks as far as releases uh, that obviously when the internet came of age, you know, you learned about all the, you know, the unofficial bootlegs and live recordings from around the world. And, um, you know, it, it was kind of just that, that old school, I guess you could call it patience. You know, yeah. it's not, you know, today's world, you learn of a band and you have all the information on the band immediately within five mm-hmm. minutes. Back then you had to go digging and you had to learn about new things. And, you know, and also, you know, at school you see kids with Metallica shirts and then you start, you know, exchanging your information with yeah. their information. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, you, you, you know, then it opened up thrash metal to me. I learned about Slayer and, uh, you know, old Sepultura and then, you know, Pantera. And, yeah. you know, like I said, it was just, it was just this wildfire and it was cool. That's how it's, it was fun back then because that pre-internet was every day was a learning experience yeah. of new music and stuff. Yeah, it's more rewarding time. Like I do hanker for that time reading about like oh, oh yeah, was, you know I was just on that cusp really. Like I was buying mm-hmm. CDs when I was getting into music, but then when I sort of found out about torrenting around sixteen, I didn't kind of look mm-hmm. back. Um, you know that's very millennial of me. But let's talk about um, Lords of, uh, the Lord Lords of Summer, which you know everyone knew as the new song at the time of it being mm-hmm. debuted. So it was first debuted Sunday, March sixteenth, um, on the South American tour in uh, Bogota, Colombia. This was you know you were familiar familiar with the track as well as a fan then and for a lot of people this was their first glimpse of music post death magnetic yeah yeah um i actually i went to montreal on the metallica by request tour um and they played it live i believe that was the first tour that they debuted it um it was a little bit different um the majority of the song was obviously the same mm-hmm. but um it was a little bit different you could tell that they were working out uh different parts uh the solo they were working out even some of the lyrics they changed a little bit around, um, you know, on that tour. But, but it went, the you know, for the most part, the Metallica by request tour was kind of a for the most part a greatest hits because mm-hmm. a lot of the a lot of the fans love the hits. So it was cool to for them, you know, they put Lords of Summer sixth on the set list that night. So it was right in the middle. Um, you know, James said that this is a new song. We're excited. We're going to play it for you, and they went right into it. And you know, it's it's a it's a fast, heavy song, and you know, really, what I'm fearful of is that it's going to get lost because uh, after that tour, then obviously Hardwired came out, and it's kind of a B-side track, so yeah. it's not really you know in the forefront of everybody's you know mind when they think of Metallica. So I, I I hope that it kind of becomes the unofficial you know summer anthem that whenever they do summer dates or outdoor festivals or something, it kind of fits the theme of the summer. So I I. I hope it's not a it's not a song that just gets you know lost in the mix. Well, it, you know, it, it is a song that they they did play um, live a fair few times. I think they played it about oh, yeah. thirty or so times. Overly yeah. long, like a mm-hmm. lot of Beyond Magnetic is. I, I I really struggle with this song in sense of justifying its length time. I mean, you know, it's almost you know it's uh, seven minutes ten. It's it's a very very long song, but um, let's get into the start of the song then. Uh, you know, very familiar territory. That opening thrash punch, not too much going on here. Just a lot of you know rigging. I like that the open notes are used as sort of backwash. I mean, it kind of sets the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, um, the I, I noticed, and I'm not, you know, obviously before you uh, you mentioned uh, metal up your podcast, I'm I'm not as musically educated as those guys but when i listened to the live version from montreal as opposed to the album version 
the tone does sound a little bit different. I don't know if they adjusted the tuning by a half step or a whole step or if they were just working out kinks, but I did notice that the, the intro sounded a little bit different going into that first intro and then into that first heavy guitar riff. Mm. Yeah, and and that riff as well, that sort mm-hmm. of ejector seat chug. I mean, it reminds me a little bit of the Prince. Um, yes, but it, rem- it kind of sounds like a lot of metal thrashy riffs. You know what I mean? It's yeah. sort of it's <laughs> anchored on the opening. It's slightly gnarled. You know, it's not it's not reinventing the wheel really in any point. But I think the song sounds great. Um, you know, James has a real propulsion to his voice. I just. I don't know. I, you know, I, I'll say up front, I'm not really in love with the song, and I guess my main grudge with it, it's just a bit too familiar. I don't know. I well, just, the, you know what I mean? It just feels very. Yeah. I've kind of heard this. Well, the first, I, at first glance, I, I wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, I, like I listened to it a couple times, uh, obviously before Hardwired came out. By the time Hardwired came out, I, I was a fan of it um, because for you know, I'm kind of, uh, you know, I'm kind of that arrogant old school fan where i just want to hear old stuff so when, when they you know i drove all the way to montreal and they said we're going to play this new song and i'm thinking no let's let's go let's go back you know let's play something heavy from the back catalog you know but um you know by the time hardwired came out uh you know i, I just fell in love with hardwired and then it was on the deluxe edition and it's the first song on the deluxe edition so i almost i feel like i feel like they were very close to putting it on the, hmm. the actual album release you know but you know to me I, I was i'm definitely a fan of it now and and honestly as soon as the first verse kicks in and that double bass kicks in you know i'm, I'm you know i'm a fan of the heavier stuff so mm-hmm. that 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 makes me think of um you know the kind of the heavier known songs you know obviously spit out the bone as of recent and you know dyer's eve and damage incorporated i obviously i would not put this song anywhere near those songs right. but the heaviness reminds me of of those songs and the fast double bass and stuff yeah yeah it is it is very heavy and it is very quick mm-hmm. and it has a lot of haste to it and it can be quite exciting on that level definitely and it's interesting to consider the inspirations for the song as well you know Lars had told Metal Hammer that the song was written about the band's 2014 tour he said quote it's about being outdoors and festivals and you know here we are mm-hmm. again and he also talked to Rolling Stone about the song and he said that the song is quote fairly representative of where our creative headspace is at right now obviously at the time of the interview it's one of those things that's like here we are we're writing we're creating you know and it I mean, I'm just trying to think of it in terms of, like, a lineage between Death Magnetic and Hardwired. I can certainly see elements of, of both of them. I I kind of almost see Hardwired as, like, a, a load Death Magnetic melding. Like, it's like an alternative Death Magnetic. Like, I, you know, I made no bones about the fact that I like Death Magnetic a lot more than Hardwired. But um, what do you make of the, the, the chorus, the melodies that are on the song? Well, I, I like how... I like the contrasts in the song. It's not just a fast song start to finish. Mm. Um, I like that, you know, uh, you get the first verse with the double bass, and then there's kind of that pre-chorus, and then the the chorus is catchy, then it kind of goes into, you know, a little bit of a groove. You know, the, the tempo definitely fluctuates throughout the song. Um, you know, and obviously it, it ends heavy too. You know, obviously mm-hmm. there's hits like, you know, there's fast songs like Dyer's Eve that is just 100 miles an hour the whole way. And, uh, you know, same thing with Spit Out the Bones, just 100 miles an hour the whole way. You know, I, I like how there's a little bit of a, you know, a slow, you know, slowed down parts throughout the song. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely does have a, a light and shade to it as well. And it is occupying lyrically this space that James loves to inhabit, the, the pale riders in the night, um, you know, no remorse, of course, he yeah. says as well, horsemen, <laughs> and, you know, it, it, kind of a catalogue of, of familiar themes that they're inhabiting. And, you know, the song goes and goes, and then we get to probably my favourite part is the sort of, bridge riff i suppose which is quite funky uh it definitely has some hips to it and then we have kirk coming over the top with quite a uninteresting lead line i have to say which is energized somewhat by the key change underneath mm. and the lead line grows a little more serpentine and then we have some some harmonizing ideas there uh which um i don't know if you've listened to the the riff tape from master of puppets we just mentioned this recently on the show with aiden on leper messiah but it reminds me a little bit of that idea where there's just lots of guitars going on lots of stuff some you know um lots of sort of counter melodies and then quite a weird choice I don't know why this decision was made, but this is all happening as the harmony. And then there's like just this one like high note that's held for quite a while. And then we go into Kirk's solo and it, I, I don't know, it sort of diminishes the returns there. And then we get some quite generic Kirk. I mean, yeah, listen to all the passive episodes of Alpha Talic from me bashing Kirk on this era, <laughs> but it's sort of just, you know, blues block, blues boxy solos and, you know, I don't know, dub, double stops and, and all that. And then the song cracks open kind of similar to the end of For Whom the Bell Toys, but obviously that's sort of heresy to mention bells on the same breath as um, Lords of Summer and Kirk just sort of, you know, soloing out or whatever. I mean, what do you, what do you think of these lead breaks? Well, the, to me, the solo is in like two different sections. Mm. There's like the the first kind of, I guess you, I guess you could call it a groove solo, and then it yeah. kind of goes into the traditional Kirk solo. I'm not a huge fan of the first part of that solo. Yeah. Um. You know, it kind of just, I, and I think the intention was for it to just linger and then go into something fast. Um. You know, almost like kind of like uh, I don't know, almost like kind of just like a. Uh, a straight and narrow road and then all of a sudden you fall off this cliff and yeah, then, you know, yeah. and then it, it's straight into you know like a traditional kirk solo I'm not a huge fan of the um you know that pre-solo but you know it it works and you know um it, it works for them you know so yeah yeah. Who am I to say it doesn't work, you know? No, yeah. I mean, to me, it doesn't work. Um, I just, yeah. I don't know. It's just, there's a lot of sort of interesting guitar players that I've listened to. Even, even like, I've listened to quite a bit of Testament lately. I don't know if you ever listened to those mm-hmm. guys. Um, mm-hmm. Their guitar player, Alex Skolnick, I think he's called. He's a fucking monster. Like, I've been sleeping on this guy. I know, like, he's a bit of a legend and all, from the Bay mm-hmm. Area as well. And he definitely knew all the Metallica guys growing up. And... I'm thinking of him, I'm thinking of Chris Poland, I'm thinking of Marty Friedman, I'm thinking of, of painters that, that would do something rather than 1214, but, you know, whatever, I'm, I'm repeating myself, we're 83 episodes into me talking about Metallica songs, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna go over the same ground, and, um, yeah, after that, we have about a minute or so of the song left, and then we sort of go back into the verse, and, you know, again, I'm not going to say this song didn't grow on me as I listened to it, um, and I don't want to be too outwardly negative, but I think to counterbalance that, I think I am maybe overly positive with a lot of songs as well, so it's going to have this light and shade. But, um, you know, all together as a piece then, Lords of Summer for you, this is a play song for you, this isn't a skipper. Yeah, it's definitely a play song, and I I think it's exactly what it was meant to be. I don't Mm. think that it was meant to be a radio hit. I think it was... 
I think that you you had so much time in between Death Magnetic and uh, Hardwired that they wanted to put out something new. Um, you know, they had the Metallica by request tour, which was unique. Um, yeah. You know, a very cool part of that tour was they wanted to debut this song, and um, you know, I think they probably could have you know overly produced it and tried to make a you know a radio hit out of it. But I think that it's exactly what Lars said it was. It was just. They wanted to make something just in the theme of the summer. They just wanted to have fun with it. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you look at the video, that's really what the video is. It's yeah. all clips from the festivals and, uh, you know, the first leg of the, the hardwired tour with the stadiums. And it's, you know, it's just a all-around smile summer song. And that's why, that's why I hope they keep it in the set lists for the summer events, um, you know, moving forward. And that it doesn't just become a kind of like an in-between filler song that just gets forgotten. You know, so no. To, to me, to answer your question, to yeah. me, it's a, it's a, you know, it's definitely a song I'm, I don't skip over. No, no, and um, yeah, I like the video as well. It's one of those sort of classic videos, as you said. It's just a collection of live clips, which mm-hmm. uh, you know, Metallica have done before, uh, or ever my. I'm a Rome and Sabbath True and stuff like that. Um, and uh, yeah, it was actually directed by Brett Murray, who is their resident videographer as well. So that's quite cool. But it makes sense that someone like that who'd be taking all that footage would uh, mm-hmm. would do that. And uh, yeah, the song's been played 33 times live. It was debuted in Colombia, as we said, on March 14th, 2014, and last played in Quebec City, uh, which I guess was Quebec Magnetic in. No, that wouldn't have been Quebec. That was 2015. No, it would have been much later. But, um, yeah, so they just played it for that year or so. I mean, can you really... I appreciate what you're saying. It's summer, it's stadiums, but I can't really see them bringing this back. Honestly, I don't... You know, now that all the... Honestly, all the podcasts are out, um, you know, we bring up so many topics, Mm. obviously, between uh, between Metal Up Your Podcast and, and your podcast that... We never really thought about before, and one of the topics that I always think about as of late is um, Hardwired is a tremendous success from the reception to the fans to the touring, and usually you get one or two kind of forever hits off of an album, uh, and that make it into the next touring cycle. To answer your question with Lords of Summer, I don't know if Lords of Summer is going to make it into the set list in the future because I'm kind of blurry as to what songs from this album cycle are going to make it into the next set list because I feel like there's four or five that they could carry. And, uh, you know, as you know, obviously, there's a very vast catalog. Yeah. I, I, I think it's going to be a good problem that they're going to have for the future tours of kind of what songs to what songs to choose. I, controversial opinion. I want to see two by four back in the set. Oh well, dude. If, if honestly, I, I want I want to see the entire Load album mm. acoustic toured. Acoustic. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you yeah. know, like I would. You know, I'm. Um, I on this last tour cycle, like I said, I have the black ticket, so I went to Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, and Pennsylvania, and uh, obviously they played Fuel and. Um, they played. I'm drawing a blank. Um, I, don't know, I think it was fuel. The point that I was going to make. Right, right. But I was just so happy to get something from the mid '90s um, because I, I'm. I don't know. I, I know your your views on Saint Anger, but on the, the mid '90s albums, I, I want to hear all of them. You yeah. know, I I know that they. A lot of the new fans aren't going to really associate with anything really beyond the hits off those albums. Um, you know, so 
you know, to hear something like two by four or ain't my bitch or Ronnie, you know, like mm, you're, you're not, mm. you're probably never going to hear them alive live anytime soon. Um, but I would love it if they did a kind of a concentrated mini tour of, okay, we're going to play load, you know, we're going to do load and reload and it's going to be, you know, eight cities. Uh, and we're going to play small venues you know, sell out the small venues for multiple nights at a time, you know, maybe theaters or amphitheaters and, you know, kind of, I wouldn't expect them to play those songs on a world tour, but it would be cool if they somehow incorporated the mid 90s songs a little bit more into some type of uh, song. And, uh, you know, last week with the, the benefit show that they just did in San Francisco, uh, they played Bleeding Me, you know, yes, I would love to see bleeding me you know i just want to see bleeding me <laughs> yeah like that, that that's one of my top five songs of all time mm-hmm. yeah i think there's a massive contingent of fans where load is their album like you say like mm-hmm. you know people of a certain age um that, that go to all the concerts definitely want to hear this stuff and you know what 2021 will be the 25th anniversary of load so you know mm-hmm. the hardwired cycle is probably going to go on for the majority of 2019 the guys have a rest year i, I you know you, you never know you do never know and i think if they did something like that that would be huge people like me we're praying for the full rendition of saint anger you know with the <laughs> san francisco met orchestra as well uh i just want to hear all of my hands with that bassoon i just need to hear that but um i mean go back to uh lords of summer then any closing thoughts on the track um you know it's honestly what i did like is i liked that uh you know rob has a writing credit on it hmm. um you know obviously the majority of the songs are james and lars it's cool to see Rob, and I'm noticing a trend that the songs that Rob has writing credits on are usually the fast ones, um, like "Spit Out the Bone." I believe he has a writing credit on, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I feel like the fast songs have his name attached, to, or the faster songs have his name attached to it. Um, obviously, Metallica is a fast band with certain songs. Not all the fast songs have Rob's names attached to it, but I think it's just another thing new that he brings to the band with the new albums that are coming out. Uh, you know, obviously he's singing with Spit Out the Bone as well, um, live. So I, I don't know if that's just a coincidence, or I don't know if he's actually the one pushing for the faster songs or the faster parts in the songs, but I just noticed his name in the credits. And uh, if that's the case, I keep doing it. Yeah. Fans like it, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll close with a few quick fire questions. As we mm-hmm. always do. Um, what's your favorite Metallica song? Uh, ever is Dyer's Eve. Um, oh man! Because that's my uh, Justice is my favorite album. Yeah. Um, obviously, Load is when I came on board. Um, but uh, you know, obviously, after learning about everything, um, you know, all the albums, Justice is my favorite album. Have and, you uh, um, have you picked up the box set? I haven't, but Christmas is coming, yes. so it's probably going to be on the list. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I I, re- I, I, think I said this on Twitter. I, I just kind of want the book. Like I'm, I'm interested in the mm-hmm. live stuff, but I just really like, especially hearing the uh, Metal Your Podcast guys go through it as well. I just mm-hmm. back. Have you got back to the front? You got the master history. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm actually, I, I, I got that when it came out, and I, I guess I'm, you know, I just don't have the time to sit down and read it front sure. to back. You know, like you know uh you know start to finish so 
I literally read it in like uh, like ten page chunks because pages are pretty big. Mm. Literally ten page chunks, like whenever I get a chance. So I'm about halfway through. Yeah, I mean, um, it's a perfect bathroom read, but you wouldn't really want to ruin it because <laughs> it's quite yeah. a, quite a precious <laughs> book. But I mean, uh, yeah, if you want if you want a you know synopsis, obviously I was on Metal Your Podcast. That was my first mm-hmm. thing that we did on there. That was a really fun episode. So definitely uh, go back to everyone listening as well. Check that. What about favorite album of the band? Well, the favorite album is Justice. It's Justice. Um, yeah. yeah, that's um, you know, there's uh, you know, a close second is um, you know, close seconds ride the lightning. But I'll admit, you know, Hardwired's up there. I I, mm-hmm. I expected Hardwired to be the new album. We were gonna have two or three. You know, radio releases. They were going to be fun live, and then we were going to get back to the old stuff. And I, I, I'm, I'm a believer in Hardwired. You know, that it's, it's been on rotation in my life since it came out, and I'm not tired of it yet. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a good album. But no, Justice is obviously number one. Um, you know, and uh, and I would say Ride the Lightning is number two. Yeah, I mean, you can't really go wrong uh, with that that decision there. Um, a favorite member of the band? Oh, well, Cliff's number one. Mm, um, let's go. You know, he he was always, you know, my uh, back in the AOL days, um, my uh, my screen name was Cliff's fan Matt One. You know, and, and it actually there's some accounts that I still have just with like. You know, uh, you know all the logins. So that's actually still pretty relevant um, to my logins. But uh, no, Cliff was Cliff's my favorite. Um, and I, honestly, uh, Jason's a, a hard number two. You yeah. know, just because he he brought a very different presence live. And uh, you know the the sad but true shirt that he always wore. That was the when I you know started buying Metallica shirts. That was the first shirt I ever got was uh was that said but true shirt so it's uh I, I tried to grow my hair out and shave the sides when i was in high school but i couldn't because my hair is too thick so just grow into like a a racer head looking thing you know but but uh, i tried but uh yeah he, he brought a he brought a presence to live events that was awesome and, and i i always appreciated the fact that he was a metallica fan before he joined the band and that you know as a metallica fan you can relate to that you know, so that's 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 always been a cool, a cool thing about Jason that I always like too. And I should say, as I always do uh, at Metallica Pod, uh, we always open it up for your own uh, suggestions, your own reviews of these songs. We've got four today, just before we get to these final questions. Luke says about Lords of Summer, decent song, better than some of Hardwire's filler, in my opinion. Um, Pim Jickens saying, I like the first version better, also pretty good. I like it. David Bill saying Loudwire ranked this as the second worst song in Metallica's entire back catalogue. I know it's better than better than that at least. And Paul wow. Kyle saying it got me excited after waiting so long post Death Magnetic for new music. In the cold light of day now, I would say it's okay, better than Murder One and Man Unkind, on par with Confusion, but behind the rest of the Hardwired album. And we established this earlier on as well, Matt, that you've seen the band multiple times. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um... Yeah, I, I, that's weird. I usually agree with what Loudwire says. I, I got a, I got a hard disagree with right with Loudwire. I, mean, that I don't is think pretty damning. The second worst, <laughs> yeah. like crazy. no, I think there's there's a lot of you know, uh, you know, obviously not every song Metallica has made has been a masterpiece. No, but Chad, would, better than you. Yep. Yeah, I, I would not put this. Uh, 
anywhere near the bottom at all. Um, and, and in the first original version live, they did have a line uh, that instead of uh, when it says Lords of Summer undenied, originally I believe it was Lords of Summer bring the sun. I think that was the original line. Mm. Um, and I'm not going to lie, you know, just being a kid who grew up on the beach, I kind of like the bring the sun better. You know, um, I, but that was off a, a live, um, you know, video that I took in Montreal. So I could have that line mixed up. Bring the sun could be wrong, but I, I, it sounded a little bit like bring the sun. And then I noticed on the album version, they, they, whatever they were saying in that phrase, they removed it. So, but you know, I, I don't think there was a lot of, there wasn't any real drastic changes between the song, um, you know, from the original to the album version. I think the album version was, uh, one way or another, I think it was 30 seconds longer or shorter than the original version. Um, but no, I, I got to definitely disagree with yeah. Loudwire on that. You know, that was, that was a little rough. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, finally, if you were to do a podcast a la Alpha Metallica, other than Metallica, what's a band that you could do on? Oh, you mean so same structure, just a different band? Yeah, or not even same structure, I guess. Just a, a podcast about a band, a band that you know well, that you like to talk about. Um, well, honestly, uh, Metallica is the only band that I get as nerdy as I am. Sure. On any band, um, you know, I would definitely love to, uh, you know, do some type of Pantera podcast mm. um, because. I, that was a band that I actually never got a chance to see live, but I saw other uh, forms of them. Now, for instance, I saw uh, Dimebag Daryl play Pantera songs with Damage Plan. Wow. I, I saw Phil uh, tour with Superjoint Ritual and with Down. Uh, I met Dimebag. Basically, short of seeing Pantera live, I've done everything I can with Pantera, and I think there's that... Um, you know, the fact that I never got to see them kind of is something that, uh, you know, I'll always be, I guess, I guess you could say not to be dramatic, but I guess always chasing that experience. Mm-hmm. And, and that just creates a ever flowing curiosity uh, with that band. And that's honestly why, why I love them just because, uh, I never got to see them. So it's kind of like, I'm always chasing that. What if, if I ever got to see them, you know, yeah. but, uh, I, I was hoping for a reunion, but obviously, you know, it's unfortunate what happened with Vinnie Paul. Yeah. And uh, I actually, I was in Dallas with work a couple times, and whenever I'm in Dallas, uh, Dimes Grave is in, well, I guess Vinnie, you could say now, is yeah. in Arlington, so I, I always stop by. But, um, yeah, yeah, they're, they're a band that I could definitely see myself doing a podcast on. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned The Grave, actually. I follow Jerry Cantrell of Alice in Chains mm-hmm. on Instagram. And he visited the grave, I think, like two or three mm-hmm. days ago, did a post about it. So, oh, did he? Um, yeah, pretty moving, actually. He said that he, he, it was like it was like two images. So the first image was the graves, and the whole description was like, I, you know, I went there, I left a shot, I had a double shot myself. And the second mm-hmm. image was him in the car with a double shot espresso. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, he's keep, keeping a bit of humor alive, not bumming it up <laughs> too hard. So uh, I appreciate yeah, that, Jerry. There's a, there's a liquor store literally down the, down the street from where the cemetery is. And uh, the girl, I, I remember I bought I bought a couple shots of Crown, you know, like the shooter bottles of Crown. Yeah. And uh, they were, um, the girl was asking me something 
um, like, do you need a bag? Do you need this? Like, I'm like, it's literally going on somebody's grave five minutes from now. I said, just, just give me it. And I'll, you know, it's going to be drank in about five minutes. And then, uh, but, but, uh, but yeah, whenever I go, I always leave some type of, some type of drink just out of respect, you know? And I guess finally, um, is there anything you'd like to promote? You know, anything you'd like to uh, share? Um, no, there's not really, you know, I don't really do podcasts or anything. So there's nothing, there's nothing really, there's nothing really to promote. Um, you know, just in general, Metallica news, like I said, I got the black ticket. Um, looking forward to the new year. I'm not sure what shows I'm going to go to yet. Um, I'm trying to get down to Nashville, mm. but I'm not sure if that's going to happen. But I, I went to three shows already, so that technically pays for the black ticket. Sure. Uh, so really any shows at this point. It's basically just a free show to me, so I'm trying to trying to hit as many as I can. I just got to work around the work schedule. Well, as always, please follow the show at Metallica Pod. Let us know what you think down in the comments of the song, of anything else we have discussed. Leave us a review as well. Patreon is there, patreon.com forward slash Alpha Metallica. If you want to give back to the show, you want to listen to all the things that we put on there first. We are working on a Some Kind of Monster review episode. I also want to start doing episodes on the guys in general, just maybe like little half hour, hour things. I've actually, someone was very generous and gave me, I think I mentioned on the show before, the full archive of So What magazine dating back to the first issue. And anyone that's poured through through those know there's so much info that you've never read anywhere else and i think i could uh, assemble some really good profiles out of those so yeah those will go on patreon first thanks for listening as always we'll be back next week we are going to be tackling lover man we've got lover man coming up then low man's lyric then mama said then man unkind then master of puppets so uh yeah this has been great and matt thank you again sir thank you show's great (laughs) 